0: I'm gonna shake a box of screws. You use the, those screws on your table. You use, the, the, you use the British those, are coming. Use those. You, you use those. You use those screws on your. You, when you built. You, when you built that. Ta- did you use those screws on your table? You use those screws on your on your table. Nope. You built the table and you use. It, you, didn't, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't use those screws. I used bolts. Oh, okay, crossbow, hey. bolts. crossbow bolts. What's up? I used a crossbow. Also, uh, I'm going to set the scene for you. Uh, when we are in a steampunk universe, and uh, there's there's steam that hangs heavy in the air, and it is the midnight ride of steampunk Paul Revere. Hark, the British! Hey, hey. Hey Paul Oh, what's up? Hey, did, did you use those screws? Did you use the screws on your table that you did you use the screws on the table that you built? I attack you with my the scimitar. Smooth. <laughs> you use that scimitar? On my, oh, good <laughs> <G'day>, eye, muscles. <laughs> that's that's not a knife. That's muscles. <laughs> that's not a knife. I'll show you some muscles. <laughs> not even a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. I'll show you my muscles. <laughs> I like this cut. This cut of meat, right here. Man, how, uh... uh this cut of mate. <laughs> this oh, cut of meat. like this cut of meat and this cut of mate. <laughs> eh, what do you know? I'm Australian. I, uh, it's a shame none of this is going to be in the podcast. How, or will it, or won't it, and... Hello and welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And you bet your ass I'm John. And together we're Henry and John. Back again from the dead, they say. Some people said that we were dead. And those people were wrong, and they were dumb to think of that. Uh, as Mark Twain once said, the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated, and, and as we his... pretend that we're dead. So, John, I've heard uh, some latest buzz and rumors, uh, you know, along the internet that uh, you've got a, a new monitor that you want to talk about. Yeah, I, uh, I got a new monitor on the super cheap. It doesn't have a monitor cable or a power cable, and I've just kind of been looking at it. Uh, that's cool. Are we talking? What are we talking? What we like dimensions? Are we talking like? A, 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 what are we talking about? It's a Dell. Oh, it's a Dell. So it's uh, saying hello from the other side. <laughs> it's uh, it's actually uh, it's a brand of computer hardware. Uh, yes, I know. They started in my city. Anyway, Did they? dude, I'm you're getting a Dell. Pretty sure um so uh no do you know the what size it is like what resolution what are we talking about i think it's uh 1080 it might not work i got it under uh questionable circumstances however i did get another monitor as well wait so you got two new monitors and one's questionable and one's not well one's from 2012 and that's the one i'm talking about the other one that I really like the idea of, and I don't know how it'll work, uh, there is, I got for free uh, an extremely nice Dell UltraSharp monitor. Okay. From 2003, and it's 4x3. 4x3, that sounds terrible. So it was a, a 4x3 monitor, but it was the best of its kind in 2003. I mean that that's great but like the 4x3 ratio uh, I don't know how people can stand to look at it. I mean my uh, my monitor when I got to work at my new job was 4x3 and I refused <laughs> to use it. Yeah, I mean I, I'm not a 16x9 guy these days. But there's something specifically that I like just uh, this this aesthetic quality that I want to maintain in doing work on both a 16x9 and a 4x3 monitor next to each other. It makes you look more adaptable, like you're you're able to handle things that don't quite fit into the situation that you're in. I just want to look more like I'm a cyberpunk hacker. Oh man, you need wall-to-wall screens and you need like a trench coat that you only wear when you go online. Oh, I'm working on it. I got these two monitors, didn't I? Yeah, I'll y- and fingerless gloves, you know. You need that so that, you know, you can feel the keys when you type when you're online. I uh, I cut a hole in my finger and put a magnet in it. Does that count? Yeah, that you can use it to, to secretly wipe the hard drives of your enemies. I can feel the heartbeat of a hard drive. Hardbeat. L- listen to your heartbeat. Hardbeat. Yeah, I got a monitor. Uh, no, I, I've never had a dual monitor set up before. Never even used one. Yeah, neither have I. But I've I've always secretly wanted that, but I've been using a television for a monitor for the past more than four years, so I don't see that happening ever. You gotta get another TV. <laughs> Two TVs. Nah, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> nah, I think you do. Alright, you heard it here first, folks. I have to buy another TV's and uh one thing that I was definitely noticing is boy do I need a new desk if I'm gonna start having multiple monitors going on yeah I mean you, you gotta have space for those monitors otherwise you're it's just gonna be like you got one monitor on the floor for like your cat but you can't see it the dimensions of your typical Walmart or target desk not adequate yeah I'm actually desk shopping myself but not for monitors uh I, I want a writing desk and uh Fitting a desk into a 400 square foot studio apartment is, uh, it's hard to do. Let's say that. Do you have kind of a chair that can move around easily? Nope. I only have a couch that is too big for the apartment. Nice. Cut it in half. It's a very nice couch. Um, it was my, this is the first piece of furniture I've bought. Oh. Everything else has been like handy down. I bought this couch new from the store. Jesus, yeah, and uh, they had to they had to take the legs off to fit it inside of the apartment. Uh, how does the apartment look now that the couch is in there? Do you have room for a bed? Oh yeah, there's a bed, um, and the couch could also be a bed because it's long enough and it's soft enough and it feels great. I'm actually sitting on it right now. But uh, the the apartment looks more complete with the couch in it. There's there's less empty space. So what you need to do is uh, put like a like a board on the wall. Yeah, bored. have it, like, come down with chains, like a Murphy bed, like a fold-up desk? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that, and, uh, I'm not a fan. But you have to be. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm gonna get a nice skinny desk. Oh, a skinny <laughs> desk. And I'm gonna put it right against the wall so that when I sit, because it's gonna be a writing desk, so I don't need distractions anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna stare at the wall and and write. Why don't you just write on the wall? Well, I would, but you have to... If I do that, I have to repaint the walls when the, when I when I move out. That's a good point. Yeah. So, John... Uh, you okay, buddy? Yeah, I was startled. Uh, so, John... Mm. What are we doing? Uh, I like to think that, uh, we are announcing an important new, uh, new product in the Zero Credits family. If you like a new segment no not a new segment a new product because i have uh amazing news for you henry do you have amazing news for me henry i do and for the listeners oh uh, why don't you share this news with us so what i learned today is that you can if you work at facebook as an intern you can make eight thousand dollars a month that is pretty awesome so, obviously, if they're paying their interns that much, imagine how much they must pay their podcasters. Wait, does, do face, do, do, do's Facebook have podcasters? That's what I'm about to... Okay, so track with me here, Henry. I'm trying. Uh, so Facebook is a company that owns a lot of other companies. They're a big tech conglomerate now, right? That is correct. They own, uh, what, the Vive and VR and stuff like the Oculus. They own Oculus. Yes, indeed they do. So I would like to welcome uh, all of our listeners into the uh, zero credits interactive VR experience. Uh, do we need headsets? You do not. Ooh, that's interesting. That's cool. It is the first headsetless VR experience. We are proud to announce this technology that we have created uh, in loose cooperation with the people at Facebook. And and you know, the the main drawback of VR is like all the expensive apparatus. So, like, if we can do VR without that, then man, that people are going to be lining up for days. So the, the way it works is everyone who's listening to this podcast will go to oculusrift.com slash zero credits. That's a real thing. You should check it out. And it's going to look, it's not going to look like much, but that's because once you go to that URL, the VR experience has started. And you're already in it. And the, the VR experience, I, I like to, uh, to tell everybody is a perfect 100% accurate simulation of real life. It's true. You're, you're going to be, you're going to like look, do the thing where you look down at your hands to see how realistic it is. And you're not going to even going to be able to tell the difference between the RVR and your hands. It's going to look like your hands. Yeah. Just by looking at the monitor, you are launched into the zero credits VR experience in which uh, there are no repercussions for your actions. Uh, but there are simulated, uh, police. And, uh, and people can still hurt your feelings, but don't let it get to you because you're in VR. Yes, uh, it's actually part of what we use as VR for is a 100% one-to-one scale replica of Earth in which everyone is role-playing uh, jobs and characters like Kind of how they are in real life. It's very similar to real life, and I, I like to think that that's what video games should be, is just real life. I mean, we, we pursue realism in, uh, in everything, and I think that we, we just want a world we can exist in, and that is what the Zero Credits VR experience offers. You know, we wanted to tackle the question, does life imitate art, or does art imitate life? And by replicating one-to-one the entire Earth and all of its inhabitants, we hoped to find some sort of answer to that question. And we found, of course, uh, that art is irrelevant. Art is irrelevant. It's all about how much fun can you have while portraying yourself in a VR-simulated world. And the answer is, a lot of fun narratives are dead. The most important thing is that when you launch into the zero credits VR experience uh, copyright 2017 Facebook uh, Oculus for Facebook zero credits the most important thing is to understand that since there are no repercussions and nothing matters and that uh, the idea of getting into trouble is a myth, you just go out there and you pursue your dreams. You know, we wanted wanted to unlock your potential in a format that you can experience it first hand you know we, we're not doing the hanging cat pictures anymore we're doing complete and other freedom free of consequences although some people's dreams might be to arrest people who break the law so be wary of that yeah so uh if you get arrested it's just part of the simulation it's working as intended and the the most important thing once again just go out there and just, it's gonna feel like you're struggling and you're gonna go through the unpleasant parts of pursuing your dreams, but hey, nothing matters, so why not do it anyway? Yep, and you know, when it's over, uh, all you have to do is, uh, realize that if you die in the simulation, you're going to die in real life, so that, you know, you don't waste any time and-, and- that's the one consequence. Yeah, and also, uh, physical injury that is visited upon your uh, zero-credits VR experience avatar, uh, copyright Facebook, zero-credits Facebook, Oculus Facebook, is uh, is visited upon your real-life self. And uh, you, if you die, you die. And you also need to sleep, on average, about six hours every day uh, to recharge the VR experience. Also, you need to eat. Yeah, there's there's this annoying bug where uh, your your avatar requires energy um, from food, and it, it you know your avatar you have to feed your avatar for it to break down that that nourishment into energy so that you can follow your dream. It, 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 we're- they're, they're not even working on a patch for that bug. So that is now considered a feature. The Really the only bug we're chasing down right now, and we haven't been able to fix it, is that uh, sometimes your P will split in half. Yep. And uh, there's, there's no, you know, the code is just, it's all, you know, no one understands how it works. Hey, I'll leave that up. To the eggheads downstairs. Yeah, we're just we're just the the you know the cool sleek marketing guys who drive away in and, and and cars, man. Yeah, I got a brand new Ferraro. Yeah, and my avatar in my VR simulated world got a new uh hatchback. Oh, nice. Yeah, a new hatchback. You know, third door, that kind of thing. But uh if you. If, if anyone out there wants to go experience the, the ZR, the, the Zero Credits VR Simulation uh, experience copyright, hashtag Facebook, Zero Credits, hashtag uh, Facebook Oculus, Facebook Rift, uh, you can go do that right now. The podcast will resume and uh, all episodes of Zero Credits are available for your listening now another thing about the vr experience the only podcast is zero credits don't bother looking for other ones they're not going to be there so tell your friends and yes that was that was part of the deal that we made with facebook is that we are now the only podcast in their vr simulation of the real world and so i hope you enjoy us because we are all that is it yeah and like i said don't don't even bother looking for other podcasts. You know, if you can't trust us, who can you trust? Because we're the ones who, who told you about this VR simulation, so... Yeah, we gave you everything, and you would turn your back on us? Shameful. Yeah, seriously, just don't look for other podcasts, because, you know, we've already done the legwork for you, and we know they don't exist. There's no reason to fact-check us. Yeah, none whatsoever. Anyway, so I'm glad that you you took the time to plug that product. You know, it's just, it's about time people found out about it since it's been available since 1942. Yeah, ever since, uh, ever since the bombs dropped, we needed an outlet. And and you know, I'm just glad that it's here. Anyway, moving on from that. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Yes, Henry? I mean, what? No, I think that was great, John. No, it was a great segment. That wasn't a segment. That was a real product that people can actually take part of right now. Yeah, it was. A, it was a great plug. Yeah. Uh, what are they called? They call that uh, the branding and marketing. You know, I, what is what is Facebook doesn't have a slogan? Yeah, they do. Oh, what is it? It's the Facebook. <laughs> it's the Facebook. Yeah, that's uh, that's its slogan. It's the Facebook. Wow, that's a What a catchy slogan. Very, very to the point. I mean, it really doesn't have the same ring unless you, you do the jingle. Oh, it's the jingle. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da, <laughs> da-da-da-da, it's the Facebook. Yeah, you're right. That's pretty darn catchy. It's a, it's a lot better than their old jingle. What was their old <laughs> jingle? Give me a break, give me a break, break me off a piece of that, it's the Facebook. Oh, and. I- did they get Did they get a cease and desist from the people who make Kit Kat? I, I don't understand the reference, and I don't appreciate it. All right. Well, I'm sorry I asked, but, you know, I'm just curious about the things that are happening in the world. Well, in the, in the world, it's not important. Anyway, Henry. <laughs> so, John. Uh-huh. Now that we've got that extensive and probably overblown uh, plug out of the way. Uh-huh. I've got a proposal for you for a brand new segment that is sure to at least fill some good time. <laughs> Ooh, that's my favorite kind of segment, the one that fills time. Alright, so, John, uh, what, what, I, I don't have a name for this yet, so hopefully we can come up with one. But basically, what's gonna happen is I'm going to say a, si- a sentence as though it were fact. And then we're going to try to pick apart that sentence to see if it's true or false. Okay. Uh, and uh, okay. Yeah, it, the sentence is basically—I it, mean, it's an opinion, but it could also be. It doesn't matter. The point is, I'm going to say a sentence, and then we're going to talk about it. We're going to pick it apart, and uh, it, and we're going to see if it's if it has valid. You know, valid points, or if it's if it's completely invalid. All right, so uh, I think that should we should we name it now? Should we try to come up with something? I think we should name it now. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're taking a statement and trying to figure out if it's true or has merit, or if it doesn't have merit. Exactly. Uh, I think we should call it Post Truthsman. Post Truthsman. Because we live in a post-truth society. Alright, so yeah, welcome everyone to Post-Truthsman. That is phenomenally hard to say. It really is. (laughs) We'll get better at it. Yeah, but uh, alright, so I have today's sentence since I came up with the segment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what I want you to listen to the sentence, think about it, digest it, and then we can launch into... Sort of trying to pick it apart. This isn't like a a me versus you thing. This is like an us versus the sentence thing. Okay. Here's the sentence. Christopher Nolan does not know how to write women characters. That is the sentence. All right. I think I can, uh, well, I, I know what my knee jerk reaction is. What is your knee jerk reaction? Uh, that it does have merit and, uh, he does not know how to write female characters interesting explain uh, generally Christopher Nolan movies tend to be hyper male and, yeah uh, and the women just tend to be uh, cheerleaders for the men who appear in uh, in kind of fleeting roles and then they they disappear back whether it be like a like an not a not an entourage like a like a movie with a bunch of characters or a movie with a with like a single soul main character like the Batman films yeah, like an ensemble cast or a normal cast. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Ensemble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so so let's kind of go through the women characters in these Christopher Nolan movies. Because cause I agree. I I think that that sentence has merit. Um, and then because the, the women are usually just plot devices or they only exist to sort of serve the male plot or in a fear with the male plot they they don't really have a plot of their own Mm -hmm. um so let's start with like scarlett johansson's character in the prestige you know i love the prestige a lot i've seen it uh maybe a dozen times it's one of my favorite movies and other than being kind of a temptress i don't remember her doing much She's a double agent for one of the magicians, she, so like she she crosses the sides, mm-hmm. but and she falls in love of, with one of them. But but I mean, she doesn't really do much other than maybe planting a journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the overall in the overall scheme of things, like when we get to the end of the movie, she's nowhere to be found because <laughs> she was smart enough to get out. Yeah, and I, I think that uh just her acting as, as kind of like a like a seductive foil isn't a particularly strong character. Yeah, I mean, she did have a want at one point because she was in love with one of them, but other than that, and other than that being complicated, she doesn't really exist in the movie. I mean, if a character's sole want that's driving their actions at a point in the movie is just their love for a man, I don't think they can necessarily be described as a strong female character. Exactly. I mean, you, you could factor in the time period and stuff, but, you know, this, this, is a work, <laughs> this is a work where we're talking about magicians and stuff. You could find a way to write a, a full-fledged character around those limitations. Yeah, it's, it's a world in which there is literal fantastical magic happening. Yeah. Um, you're right. That is because of, yeah, because of the stuff that happens later on in the film. Yeah. Um, so, so the, okay, so we move from that character who really doesn't do much. Um, I'm going to jump ship to Inception, a movie with two women in it. Hmm. Yeah. You got Ellen Page and you got, uh, uh, of course, uh, Mal Mal, I have a big-time confession. What's up? You haven't seen Inception. I've never seen all of Inception. You've never seen all of Inception. All right. Mm. Uh, To what point did you see? I've seen multiple parts of it, and I maybe watched the first half of it a while ago. All right. Uh, Well, that complicates this discussion. Oh, you can (laughs) just tell me, and I'll probably believe you. Um, Well, so, you know... Going from a character who doesn't do much in Scarlett Johansson's character, it seems like Inception is a bounce almost in the complete utter direction. Because Leonardo da Vinci, that's not his name, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in that movie is plagued by this this memory of his wife, uh, whose name is Mal. Mm. And uh, she literally drives a train through their plan. So she affects the plot. But all she really is in the movie is an obstacle. She, mm. and she has a backstory, but she's not actually present in the story. She, she doesn't really exist within the story. She's really just haunting the main character. So she's not a character in her in, in of herself. So she, she really only exists to, to drive stakes through the plot and doesn't really have... Does she have a motivation as such? I, I, can't, it's slipping from me. All I remember is that she, that they, they slipped away. They stayed too long in the dream world and she slipped away for some reason. I, I only saw that movie once. Uh, well, maybe we should give it a rewatch. Maybe. I, I don't know. But I, another thing, uh, is, in that movie is they spend the first half sort of explaining the world of Inception to Ellen Page for her to presumably do something and beyond designing some dreamscapes because she was an architect you don't actually ever see her do much mm. so it's like she serves as a vehicle into this you know this fantastic world where you can go into people's dreams but it's not like we take that knowledge and then see her designing these dreamscapes the dreamscapes are just already designed when we're in them and I think that's something you could say about a lot of Christopher Nolan uh movies with female characters is that they're not particularly active, which is I, I think what we're kind of getting at here. Yeah, they're 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 sort of like they're either part of the plot or they serve the plot, but we don't really ever see them do anything. And I think he tried to counter that with the, with uh Anne Hathaway as Catwoman and, and the Dark Knight Rises. Hmm. Mm. But Catwoman, that whole movie is kind of like a, a mishmash of, of things. Like, there's too much going on, and at the same time, not enough. I mean, if we want to even bother talking about the Batman movies, those, those movies are cinematically really interesting, but they're some of the most uh, ideologically confusing, hyper-male movies you could possibly watch. Yeah, I mean, like, in, in The Dark Knight... Oh, in the Dark Knight, that's just what it's called. Uh, in the Dark Knight, we have you know a literal damsel in distress kind of thing going on, and there's there's ideals floating around, and there there you know there's just a lot and becoming a symbol, stuff like that. But but it's just like I don't know what, what what's her face. Rachel Dawes is like the assistant to the DA, mm-hmm. and, and like you know they want to in the first movie they they. They get to nail the crime family, so that's kind of interesting. That's cool. Mm. But in the second movie, Rachel Dawes is replaced by Harvey Dent, you yeah. know? Suddenly there's this new lawyer who who's the face of the DA's office and it's like, Well, what about that really that, that, that mob victory that Rachel Dawes got in the first movie? That does did that not factor into her career at all? So, okay, wait. So, first one is Batman Begins, second one is Dark Knight, third one is Dark Knight Rises. That is the correct order of these movies. Gotcha. So, in uh, in the Dark Knight, yeah, that movie was, like, super male. And I get that maybe they were trying to downplay her character because of the, uh, the whole casting snafu, you know, they could not get Katie Holmes to come back mm. because of real-life horrible reasons. Like, I think... Tom Cruise was really, like, oppressive and wouldn't let her take the role or something. That's a rumor. I don't know that for sure. That's terrible. So so maybe they were downplaying the character on purpose, but still, it's just like, I don't know. And then, of course, uh, well, what movie were you going to bring up next? Uh, Well, my ending point would be the movie that he gets it the most correct, and that would be Interstellar. Yeah, I, I think that is the closest thing he has to an actual female character. And it's it's not Anne Hathaway. It's it's the daughter. Oh, yeah, it's the daughter. Because the whole movie is about love being the thing that transcends gravity or whatever. I don't know. Um, But it's you know the love between McConaughey and the daughter, and but but the daughter's the one who f- like is actively figuring out the math to save everybody, and and then it's I don't know. I don't, I, you're actually totally right. Yeah. So, so it's, you know, McConaughey's the one going through the, the the things to to and influence the past, but it's still like it's still her mm-hmm. figuring everything out and saving humanity, and like she she's she's you know, whereas Michael Kane is all cynical and and hopeless. She actually like has hope. She she has desire. She's fully fledged, and it's it's you know the that t- tangible love between the father and the daughter that that saves the day so maybe it just has to be the central part of of the movie for him for chris nolan to care and i mean maybe it could be said that he's just learning to write better female characters that could be but but then you his next movie is dunkirk uh, a movie which almost by definition will have no women in it Exactly. It, it's it's a World War II movie about these guys, these British soldiers, st- stranded on a beach. Like, it, it doesn't get more hyper-masculine than that. But uh, I really did like that point about the daughter in Interstellar, because that's something I hadn't thought about. Because whenever I think of Interstellar and female characters, I think of uh, Anne Hathaway, which in some ways could uh, fit your description as just uh, this kind of uh, negative force. Uh, From from a woman. Yeah, I mean, she's there, and she's definitely, like, the right-hand person to Matthew McConaughey. But if you think through the movie, what does she actually do in the movie? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she doesn't even, like, she doesn't even, like, fold that piece of paper to explain a black hole. Yeah. I I mean... uh, I was, you know, there was this discussion of Han ha- Anne Hathaway on my on my Facebook recently, and someone was like, "Name a movie where Anne Hathaway is not clumsy or something else." And I was just trying to think a movie she was in, and someone brought up Interstellar, and I just realized, oh, I forgot she was in that movie. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's reasonably forgettable, except I remember in the theater when she was giving her uh, her short monologue about love. Yeah, I was kind of having a conniption fit. <laughs> Why were you having a conniption fit? i I just thought it was dumb, but it ended up being okay. Okay. well yeah, I mean, so it's got some merit you know chris Chris Nolan he's he's still working out how to write women characters. And I think he might get there maybe. you know given enough time in the same industry and craft a a a person typically you know improves. Notable exceptions, of course, being Michael Bay. And Orson Welles. (laughs) Well, uh, he uh, he stopped improving definitely at a point. (laughs) Well, like, because he was the one who directed Citizen Kane, right? Uh, yeah. That was his first movie. Oh. And it was just kind of downhill from there. He, uh, he narrated and potentially directed that documentary called F for Fake. That was really good. I, he was also the narrator of the World of Worlds radio show that caused a, a mass panic. Now, if only uh, Chris Nolan could cause a mass panic. Uh, and it could be maybe Chris Nolan just he he tells the story he wants to tell, but it's like you, you do have to, because this is something that I struggle with sometimes in my writing, is it's like, you, you gotta balance out your characters. Yeah, you have to, uh... I mean, it's 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 a tough thing to do when you're creating anything, where you have to understand that there are people who would be served by any character in a given story... Uh, having more time than they do, having more impact than they do, because you want a story to be well represented. But, you know, if you have a story in your mind where you're like, I want a story with a protagonist who's like, you know, male or female, black or white, whatever, and they're a huge agent for change and I want to tell that story... It would both be more inclusive and make your story more interesting if you made other people important as well. Yeah, you got to think about who you're giving the good lines to, who you're giving the responsibility of driving the plot forward. You got to focus on all of that because your audience definitely will be looking at it under a a large lens. So you have the responsibility to kind of do that too. Which, uh, in some ways, is, to me, seems almost uh, like intrinsically hypocritical because it's generally agreed by all uh, creative people that you cannot take credit for any meaning that people read into your work that you didn't intend. Yeah. But you must take credit for, uh, by extension, any any negative meaning in your work that people infer from experiencing it you know if if you have a, a story where there's you know a a, me- a white male character who does most of the things if it's a if it's a Chris Nolan thing yeah you do have to be held responsible for a lack of representation even if it wasn't consciously intended yeah i, I mean it's a double edged sword in that regard kind of where it's like you don't get credit for the things that you do right but you do get the blame for the things you do wrong but that's that's kind of true about anything really i mean uh, you know uh generally you're going to remember your own mistakes as a society and not so much your triumphs but that's a bleak view yeah and it's kind of like uh what the the god satellite thing in Futurama says hey you know if you do anything if you do things right people won't be sure you you've done anything at all mm-hmm And so it's like, so if if you do, if you do write female characters and male characters in a way that they both are able to be people in your story and live and breathe as fully developed and fully fledged people, we wouldn't be talking about it. And I mean, I think that gets down almost to human nature, because I think human beings are almost naturally incentivized to react loudly to things that displease them. Or, or cause them discomfort, whereas if something's good and you enjoy it and it hits all the pleasure centers in your brain, there's almost no reason for you to go write a review of that because you're just happy. Yeah, I mean, we don't like or we're not incentivized to break down things that make us happy to examine why they're making us happy because doing that kind of disillusions the happiness. And I think uh, another part of that is I feel like the human brain, most likely, if something's making us happy, we're, we're just happy. But if something's making us upset, we're like, ah, fix it, figure it out, what's wrong? Exactly. Why is this making me upset? Why is this not making me happy? And, and that's just what, that's kind of what criticism or being critical is, is trying to achieve in the long run. And I, I think that's why... I don't know. Criticism is, of course, extremely important. It is. But uh, I think that, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a tough, tough road to hoe trying to figure out, hey, how do we, as a society, find a meaningful way to positively interact with the things we consume and not just, you know, go off of our instincts to be negative. Yeah, and, and like, to that end, it, it, there comes a point where you have to ask, like, okay, can we have... Is it a problem that we have like a a hyper masculine story being portrayed on the screen? Is that is that balanced out by maybe a hyper feminine story being told? Does that can can we weigh them on the same scale or should we? You know, there's all these questions that kind of need to be balanced out, mm. but bef- before we can render a judgment, well, this is just a bad way to write a story or not. You know? Yeah, I think that uh, one thing that it's an argument people come up with fairly often when they're talking about things like this, and they'll say, oh, well, if uh, this movie was bad because it starred a man and had a lot of man man stuff going on, what about this movie? Had a woman, a lot of woman stuff. Why don't you say this is bad? It's like, it's it's not that simple, because things that make us feel bad because they're they're super male make us feel bad because we understand that they're part of a status quo. And if we have something else where, let's say it's hyper-feminine, then we're not necessarily going to say that's bad because the, the minority is being, well, not minorities they're half of the population, but the people being represented are underrepresented, so it kind of evens out our emotional response to it. So in a world where there's an even amount of representation, the hyper-masculine story isn't a problem because there's just as many hyper-feminine stories being told. That would be the perfect world, yes. All right, but but we don't live in that world, of course. We live in a world where male stories are dominant, or are dominating the media because the people in Hollywood are only ordering those kind of stories because they say that that's what fills seats. Yeah, that's what. Whoa! For some reason, I thought you were talking about a a person named Phil Seats. <laughs> because because Phil Seats says that this is gonna get us a billion dollars. Phil Seats, the executive of Hollywood. That I mean that that's pretty ripe for parody. That if that doesn't already exist, that you know we gotta make it. Okay, I'll get a GoPro. <laughs> get a GoPro, and we can mount it on just. <laughs> Remember that idea that we were going to get a GoPro and like film movie reviews but like in the in the same manner of like uh like a skateboard video where it's just like we mounted a GoPro to our head but we're just filming uh movie reviews. Oh yeah, one of the best ideas I ever had that maybe you had. I, I don't, don't remember. I think we came up with it together, but but <laughs> I always wanted to do that. Definitely one of the better ideas was when we were when we were being regularly recorded reviewing movies, that we would review Hardcore Henry with GoPros strapped to our chests in the style of Hardcore Henry. Yes, I remember that. I, I wanted to do that. That was an amazing idea. I still don't think anyone did it in reviewing that film. And, I mean, goddammit, the time has passed and we can't do it. <laughs> Gotta wait for the sequel, you know. Um, murder, murder Streak Mike. I guess you're just going to strike when the iron's hot, you know? Yeah, I mean, all those, you know, all those people running out buying the unicorn stupid, what was it, Frappuccino, and then they they bought it just to spit it out on camera to be like, oh, look how gross it is, but it's just like, you still bought it, you you still, it worked. Yeah, it, it still absolutely did what it was doing. And which was just existing which is the 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 thing that fascinates me and it's really died down now because i don't think people care as much and software and hardware iterations are so fast that no one can really uh keep up the pace of this kind of content but it's like smash videos where people would buy the newest thing and be like oh i'm gonna smash this and all the comments would be full of people being like oh a typical apple or a typical samsung thing got smashed by a baseball bat Blah. Yeah, it's like Will It Blend and their trend to do like the latest iPhone or something like that. And it's so so telling of how far human beings have come and how absolutely stone age we are because we're like, either we're like, oh, pretty thing, get destroyed, must watch, or we're thinking like, yeah, serves that thing right for... Existing in opposition to an ideology that I have to another consumer good. It's like another nail in the coffin of like things don't have inherent value. Even that eight hundred dollar smartphone gets smashed with a bat, mm-hmm. just because we we put so much value on it and, and value it at a monetary thing. And it's like, oh, it, this 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 item can impact my life. None of that stops it for the from the inevitable destruction of the thing. And, and when we put these videos out there of us, like, throwing things off of buildings or smashing them, we have a visceral reaction to it, even I do, but at, at the end of the day, it's just $800 worth of metal and plastic. That are being ground up, and every feeling that we put into it are just feelings that we chose to uh, to imbue it with. Yeah, it's like when you name a pencil and then you snap it in half; hey, a little bit of you dies just because you know you've got empathy, but at the same time, it's like it's just a pencil. And uh, I this is probably a garbage study that didn't really exist, but I remember we- reading somewhere that uh, the. The brain response for people who have been uh, told that they have to go without their cell phone or they see their cell phone broken in front of them is similar to the uh, response someone would have over losing a pet. Oh my gosh. That's a real thing? or Yeah, I, I believe that's a real thing. I didn't read the study backing it up, so I'm not going to say it's anything more than like pop science garbage. But Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like a living, breathing thing has more inherent value because... You know the phone the phone is an object. it's not alive but a pet like I'm alive, the pet's alive. I don't want to see things that are alive die. Oh the pet absolutely has more value objectively but people imbue things with meaning they uh one of the my favorite ideas from I believe Greek culture is the idea of an animus. Oh, is that the machine that you use to to look at your your ancestors' DNA and relive their memories? Exactly. Also, uh, Henry. What's up? Uh, go Ar- go, assassinate Archduke Franz Ferdinand. All right, I'll just travel back in time and take care of that. So this Greek idea of an animus? Uh, yeah, so the, the idea of an animus is the idea that people... I'm probably butchering this, but people will idly just imbue things with souls and meaning like you look at mountains and just in looking at them the the way the human brain copes with it you're like i wonder what those mountains are like like you you put souls in these mountains you you see them as like living mythological things and not just big piles of rock yeah like when this happens a lot of times with like computers where it's like oh it's not listening to me because i it heard me talk bad about it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, we do this especially when we're frustrated where it's like, well, why won't this thing cooperate? And it's because, you know, it's, it's it's a piece of inanimate garbage, you know? Yeah, and it's probably cooperating with you with the same success rate that it did in the past. But because <laughs> you're feeling a certain way, time is like being dilated and you're like, oh, this thing is so slow. Yeah, you know, my dial-up internet is is spiting me because I need to get on the internet right now. I mean, I had a moment uh, not, uh, not but two days ago where I was working on a project of mine that was really frustrating me. And I was driving home from where I was working on said project. I was just hitting a bunch of red lights. And just every... It seemed like every time I came to a stoplight, it would turn red. I just get angrier and angrier. And it's not a proud moment, but at the last stoplight that turned red right before I get to it, I just full force screamed in my car. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been there before where it's just like, okay, there's a conspiracy. The lights are, are turned against me, literally. And, you know, I need to get to where I'm going to do the thing that I'm thinking about. No, I've been there. It's 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 a it's not it's never a proud moment. And I've probably sat through that exact same configuration of red lights dozens of times before on this exact same path and been okay with it. Our current moods and feelings have a way of sort of just what what's the word? Influencing the way that we think and feel at a current moment. Hey, perception is reality. Oops, there goes gravity. Oops, I'm gravity. So, yeah, so that's a segment that uh, I kind of want to keep bringing back, you know, because I think it would be an interesting thing to just present a statement and then just have us kind of like pick it apart to see if it has merit or if it doesn't have merit, you know? I would definitely like to uh, to try that out in the future. That was a damn good 50-minute-long segment. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, it, you know, it the, the sentence can really be about anything, but, like, if there's, like, a body of work behind the sentence that we can kind of pick apart, I feel like it would be better. So, in this case, like, we had Chris Nolan, and we could go through his films to look for evidence. So, if we could do something like that, that might be just, like, a good sort of way to get into a conversation. Or maybe even a a statement of, like, political fact or or a statement of historical fact. That's kind of where I got the idea for this. Um, I I read a comic by The Oatmeal today that was presenting sort of, like, facts and how we feel about them. and, And how sometimes certain facts trigger this reaction in people... And so I was kind of thinking about it, and I had a drunken conversation with my girlfriend the other day about the, you know, Chris Nolan's films. And I just kind of, you know, offhandedly said, "Well, it's not like he knows how to write women," and that triggered a whole conversation between us. So I was just like, "All right, combining these two things, here's a segment. Let's do it." Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pro that segment. Let's bring it back next time. I feel like that's a good idea because you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of just. Sentences being thrown around that aren't being examined, and uh... Mm. now I got to think of a good fifteen-minute-long segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you don't take too long. Oh, I have a segment. You have a segment. Yeah. All right. What? What? what that walk me through it. It's a. It's a segment. It's an oldie but a goodie. We we reached back in time with a time machine to bring it back, and we really have underutilized it. Well, yeah. Uh, Oh, oh, that one. Okay, yeah. Our time machine that can only go back to bring back this one segment. Yes, it is, uh, and of course, What Did You Watch? What did you watch? Where, uh, if anyone is a new listener and they're not familiar with What Did You Watch, it is a uh, hotly debated, hotly contested, uh, hotly desired, and coldly delivered segment in which me and uh, my lovely Henry... We talk about, I tried to, I was going to put like lovely co-host, I did, chose not to put a word, I just seen real creepy, real, real flowers for Emily, kinda, rose for Emily, real What do weird. you mean? Wait, what do you mean, dear John? Oh, weird. Uh, so, <laughs> we, uh, we talk about things that we've experienced with our eyes and not solely our ears, and we just kind of talk about them. Yeah, this could be movies, this could be books, this could be plays, this could be anything that you could experience with your eyes, any of your other senses, but not solely your ears. So what I experienced was a movie called Don't Think Twice. That's a movie called Don't Think Twice. It is uh, written and directed by Mike Berbiglia. That's the director of Sleepwalk with me, also the writer. Really? Yeah, he, he, he likes doing these movies. He's a talented guy. He's pretty talented. And uh, it stars uh, Mike Birbiglia. That's the guy who wrote and directed it. <laughs> uh, Keegan-Michael Key. That's the guy from Key and Peele. Uh, Kate Mac- Micucci. I i don't know who that is. That other lady you said. Uh, G- uh, G- Gillian Jacobs from yeah. Community and uh, Love. And it's got a Chris Gethard. It's Ben Stiller's in there somewhere. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. But it is a movie about a semi-successful improv group, uh, and one of their members gets picked to audition for and is then cast on uh, Weekend Live, which is, of course, uh, an allusion to Saturday Night Live. So it's a complete work of fiction, then? Oh, absolutely. Not autobiographical on the behalf of Mike Birbiglia whatsoever. Wait, was he on Saturday Night Live? He was not, but he was in an improv group, and I'm I'm assuming uh, he's writing from experiences from either his group or other groups that have had people who uh, who have members who go on to do similar things. All right, that's kind of cool. It's a neat perspective to to write from, and uh, the movie it it really spoke to me. It's a very bittersweet movie. It's about uh, it's it's essentially a movie about hope and the the kind of hope you have for these creative pursuits and how it feels when those things don't pan out yeah because the the movie deals with success and it's success in two different ways and it's it's a success that is the success you earn by showboating being bigger than everyone else and taking opportunities that take you to this like upper echelon of like a ladder that that you pursue in your art yeah. And uh Jillian Jacobs, that's her name, uh is Keegan Michael Key's girlfriend in the film. Ooh. And she really she represents more of uh the idea that success is subjective and success is just being somewhere that makes you happy. Interesting. And uh Chris Gethard's character who is amazing and his, his character is going through this whole arc with his ailing father and uh there's a, there's a line that he has that really spoke to me where he's talking about how their theaters getting shut down. They're on the ropes. They they never really made it. And how all of them kind of in in the eyes of truly successful people are failures. Okay. And uh, and he says that uh, he thinks that your twenties are all about having hope, and your thirties are all about realizing how stupid it was to have hoped. Oh my gosh, that's that's very bleak. It's it's very bleak. The movie. The movie is, is happy on a whole, but it deals with extremely bleak subject matter in a in a very funny kind of way. And I think that anyone who likes improv or has done it will benefit a lot from seeing the movie. Because it, it talks a lot about the, the feelings that people who have been in improv groups and comedy groups in general have felt throughout time. Well, I've always... I, I've always... I've wanted to check it out for a while, so that's cool that it, it talks directly to like people like us oh it's it's full of industry jargon it's like yes and zip zap zop. it's they they play like word association games that's what we do before our podcast it's true and uh yeah great direction really really good music really really heartbreaking stuff yeah and uh yeah one of another thing that really resonated with me is there's a there's a refrain throughout the movie that is at one point spoken aloud by one character. And it's, it's the part where these two kinds of success meet where someone who wants to achieve more and someone who's happy where they are are speaking. Yeah. And, uh, the, the character who, Keegan Michael Key's character who searches for success just says, you know, you can't do improv forever. At some point it just ends. And it's true, but but a canon, but no, you start a podcast and you start a podcast. Yeah, you you absolutely need to watch the movie. It's very good. I you know I I very much enjoyed Sleepwalk with Me, which is was like a semi autobiographical tale of how he got his start in comedy, and uh, I think I would I would enjoy watching that one too. And it's on Netflix. Wait, it's on Netflix now? Yeah. Oh, that's where Sleepwalk With Me was. All right. That's great. I I know what I'm doing pretty soon. There is no excuse for someone not to watch this movie because everyone has Netflix and everyone love it. <laughs> hey, uh, if you want to watch a semi-depressing but sort of happy movie about comedy, you know, <laughs> that's got your number. Uh, yeah, very true to life, very much bittersweet, and its its triumphs are sad, and its sadnesses are triumphant. That's very interesting, but uh, that's cool. I, I also watched something that was on Netflix. Oh? I watched a uh, DreamWorks animated film called... Oh, was it uh, Megamind? No, that was a good movie. This was a subpar movie that had one good aspect oh what movie is it this was the secret life of pets ew remember that trailer did you ever see that trailer for that movie for the secret life of pets where like some some people leave their apartments and then their pets do crazy things yeah so that's the first five minutes of the movie oh good like you know verbatim and uh the the, the one redeeming the one redeeming factor for this movie is that Louis CK, plays a dog oh and Louis CK like he has the greatest dog voice is it just because, his normal voice it's his normal voice but happy oh nice so you know so you could tr- you can tell he's trying to be happy but th- there are some points where it's like you can tell he's he's really he's captured the essence of being a dog. Um, uh, my my one of my favorite lines from this movie. Uh, so these two dogs are being chased by this horde of animals, and they and they're in the sewer, and of course, because they're in the sewer, they come they're running through drain pipes, and, and they get to the end of a drain pipe that drops off into presumably the Hudson River, mm. and uh the the this bigger dog who Louisa K's dog is with, it says we've got a problem, and Louisa Kay says something like. We have so many problems. Which one do you mean right now? (laughs) That's, that's pretty good. And there's something about his inflection that just like, he nailed what a dog would be, would be thinking. It's just like, we have so many. Which one do you, what is happening? (laughs) That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but the movie had no idea what it wanted to be. Like, in moments where you think, oh, we're establishing what a normal day is like in this world, uh, suddenly the plot is happening and you're like, what? And you meet, you just meet way too many characters with way too many motivations and, like, there, there's characters, that there's this group of animals that hate pets and hate being pets and they want to kill humans but there's no explanation of why they feel that way. I feel uh, the same way I feel about most DreamWorks movies is whenever I see that they have these huge, huge casts, it's like, oh, good, it's a merchandise movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, and, and th- there was a few big na- I mean, there's Louis C.K., you got Hannibal Buress, you got Kevin Hart, you got Ellie Kemper, you got Danic Carvey. I mean, you've got all these names, but none of them were voice actors, yeah, they just kind of got, like, talent, but not necessarily the talent they needed. And, and none of their voices particularly fit their character very well, except for Louis C.K.
1: That's a, that's a
0: shame. What's Hannibal Buress? Uh Hannibal Burris is is a, uh, uh, what do they call that, a, uh, a Deutschhound, a wienersnitch, a, a weenie dog. Mm. Weird. Uh, Dachshund, Dachshund. That's what they call that. And, um... And, yeah we we didn't realize it was him until the end of the movie that's uh that's an underused Hannibal Burris yeah Kevin hurt is a psychotic bunny uh sure I guess yeah whatever um oh Eric Stone Street which is uh he, he's one of the the uh, one of the gay dads from uh, modern family mm-hmm uh, he plays a big dog named Duke but he he, he doesn't sound like himself. And Duke doesn't really sound like he, I don't know. It's just like, it needed to be directed better, I guess, because none of the characters besides Louis C.K. sound like they should as what they are. And that's a a problem in some anime movies where are like, yeah, we're just going to throw money at comedians and hope that their voice acting skills are as funny as they are. Yeah, and and like, the weird thing was in the background, I, I heard one of Tara Strong's voices Oh no! So and, good. And she's on. She's she's on the IMDb page as you know, additional voices. And it's just like you brought her into the studio. You know how good a voice actress she, she is because she's a voice actress. Mm-hmm. W- w- why not? Why not give her a role? You didn't even want to give it a shot. Yeah, this is the person who brought you know Harley Quinn to life. you didn't want to. You didn't want to take a risk on her. You didn't want to, like, make a character like a, like a chihuahua. Yeah. I mean, there was a chihuahua in the movie that doesn't even speak. Oh, God. So, it's just like you had an opportunity. Come on. Were there but, any racially insensitive pets? Uh, I don't believe so. Um. Well, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, there, there was no, like... Nah, I don't, I don't think so. There, there was... I mean... There was a pig with tattoos, but I don't think that was a statement about tattoos. Mm, you never <laughs> know; only pigs get tattoos. The, the pig was like uh, apparently uh, tra- tattoo trainees would tattoo the pig for practice. That that's a little wrong. I but, mean, if the if the pig wants the ink, the pig pays the price. I don't think the pig wanted the ink. It, the pig was on the part, of, uh, the side of the people who didn't like pets. Oh. So, he, he might have had a reason, but the rest, they didn't. There was a lizard who never talked, like. And, and, like, there were birds that didn't talk. It's like, well, how can you have animals that can talk, but some of the animals don't talk? Look, just get Tara Strong in there. And, and there was a whole segment with this, this, this old dog who's paralyzed, so he's got wheels, but and he's voiced by Dana Carvey but he and he's supposed to be really old but he doesn't sound old mm. and he, and he's like follow me i'm going to lead you to what you need and then there was this a whole segment of like basically baby's day out where they're they're accidentally getting to where they they need to go using like a construction site and, and like all the weird cartoon tropes that we haven't seen in 20 years it's strange that dana carvey didn't sound old because he's actually very old well, he just didn't sound, I, I get, he, did, he didn't sound like he would, he was old enough for this old dog character. That's, that's definitely fair. Nah. So I'm just saying, just, I'm just saying, skip this movie, skip Boss Baby. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we need, we no, no. Even, We did not even get to the rating scale. I'm not, I'm not even, no, I'm not even rating it. I'm saying we need to teach DreamWorks a lesson, vote with your dollar, don't. Don't give these people your money and teach them to to produce better movies. Hold on, though. So you're saying don't watch this movie at all? I'm saying skip it. We're gonna need to rewrite our system. That system's that system is for that system's for uh, supplemental readings. Oh, is it only? I might be retconning that. Okay, it's only for supplemental readings. But I'm gonna say yeah, because we only have like a rent it. Rented is the lowest we go. Well, yeah, on that, because presumably for the supplemental reading, you've already seen it. Oh, yeah, because, you know, you can't skip what you've seen. Yeah, you can't unsee, unfortunately. I just think, I get it's for kids, I understand, but Zootopia was also for kids, and that movie kind of hit it out of the park. Yeah, Zootopia was great. Uh, tackled huge stuff, was funny, appealed to a lot of people. Yeah, and like you know, had an overarching message that was very obvious, but didn't hit you over the head. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I'm just saying we can we can expect better quality out of our children's entertainment. And so, Secret Life of Pets, not it's not it's not doing it for me. Sorry, Louis C.K. That was a very refreshing, what did you watch? It's nice. Stretch it out. We we haven't done one of those in a while. I know. I, you know, I, I feel like we can bring that back, but not, you know, just maybe when we see something interesting. Not, not, uh, not every week. Yeah, not every week. And I think we both had things that were worth talking about because you were cautioning people to avoid Secret Life of Pets at all costs, and I was urging people to see Don't Think Twice, if at all possible. Yeah, I mean, and... So we definitely, definitely go see, or definitely Netflix uh, Don't See Twice, and then just ignore Secret Life of Pets on Netflix. Ignore it. Pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, delete it from your Netflix. And uh, you know what that brings us to, Henry? Does that bring us to wrapping up our our really fun episode here? Yeah, it was a fun episode. The cold medicine is starting to kick in, and I, at some point I think that I was talking about the, the Greek concept of an animus. I don't really remember uh, but I think that it's time for us to be hitting the old dusty trail. But first, oh, the theme—the right. theme. The theme for this episode—because <laughs> every every episode in season two has a theme. Also, our musical interlude. Whoops. Hey, uh, don't worry too much about that. All right, it'll be uh, back. So it'll be back. Today's theme was, uh, of course. John? Henry? Today's theme was definitely... Alright, well, let's see. We got two monitors. We got... Two monitors. Uh, we got po- t- post... 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 post Truveman Uh-huh. Wait. We got... And then we went into what did you watch? Everything we talked um. about talked about multiple things. Oh, I got it. Alright, today's theme was Screens. Screens, because you watch uh, monitors are screens. Monitors are screens. Chris Nolan's films have to be seen on a screen. Screenwriter. Screenwriter. And also, Mike Berbiglia once jumped through a window, also known as a wall screen. In the ancient Greek. In the ancient Greek animus. And then, of course, Secret Life of Pets. Uh, takes place through the window of your mind. Which is, of course, as Shakespeare wrote, the fleshy pink screen. And uh, he also coined the term eyeball. So if you got what the theme was uh, before we told you, uh, you win a $500 gift card, redeemable at any uh, participating location of Crab Legs, Crab Legs, Crab Legs. The place so good. That it's in your hood. It uh, used to be, it used to just be crab legs, crab legs, and they called it the crab legs so nice we crab leg them twice, but then they had to change it for legal reasons. Yeah, they tried to franchise and it turned out that crab legs, crab legs was already franchised. Yeah, so now it's crab legs, crab legs, crab legs, the place that's real good in your hood. Uh, the place so good it's in your hood. Yeah, because you wouldn't have a bad place in your hood. Exactly. Anyway, you can twitter us. <laughs> you can twitter us. You can uh, you can reach us on Twitter at zcpcwhj on twitter.com. Henry what's that stand for? That stands for Zoinks Pierre C you skip the C. You Pierre, god, you suck. Good one, Henry. And you can also send us an email. And zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. You can send us anything you want. Send us questions, corrections. Send us uh, memes, memes. All we send do us, is memes. All we do is memes. Send us memes. Send us constant memes. If you don't send us memes, you don't We're want gonna to get, know what's going to happen. It's like it's like my aunt Pappy used to say. If you don't send us memes, I'm going to get mean. I was watching the Great British Bake Off, and sometimes their enunciation is strange because they were talking about one of the characters' backgrounds, and they were like, she shares her food with her sister, mom, and dad, which to me sounded like her sister was named Mom and Dad. (laughs) Her sister, Mom and Dad. (laughs) We really wanted to confuse people by naming our baby Mom and Dad. Well, it's just telling you who was a, had a hand in the process of making her Mom and Dad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's important because you don't want to think anyone else was involved. And if you want to find us on Facebook, search Zero Credits Podcast on the Facebook search bar. We will be the first result, probably. And thanks to everybody who participated in our Reach 25 followers goal we did it yay we did it and now you know what that means a new podcast pretty much every week yep we (laughs) that was the stretch goal stretch goal was we'll pretty much record a new podcast every week all right and Uh, and all if you want to watch us stream video games, twitch.tv slash zero credits. We haven't streamed anything yet. It's been like three months. Well, give us some time. Come on. Cut us some slack. I, I now have super great internet, so you can expect me to maybe attempt that on a night when I'm not tired from work. Show face. Sh- I don't have no webcam, yo. Show face. I gotta, I'm updating my computer. Kappa, kappa, kappa. Show face. Yeah. Also, Yes. Showface Kappa. Alright, that's Twitch chat in a nutshell. And, uh, yeah, that's all of our social media, right? Uh, yes, unless you started an Instagram for no reason. Oh, God, no. I started Instagram I... for myself, and I barely understand it. I took a picture of a lizard. Yeah, I I took a picture of my screen the first time I used an Instagram. Oh, that's our theme. <laughs> our theme is taking pictures. Oh, it's screen! Yay, right! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Yay, right! <laughs> you know, I don't. I, I don't think that I. You know, you look at me. You don't think that I look like a person who would stand up for yay rights, but I do. I think well, people that, should have a right to celebrate however they want, particularly if it's saying yay. Well, I stay. I stand up for nay rights, so there you go. Uh, if people can yay, people can nay. It's twenty seventeen. No, your nays infringe on my my sacrimonious rights. What am I saying? I don't know. Alright, it's time to end this podcast. Man, it's always so much better when we record a podcast post post sleepy time. Post sleepy time? I'm sleepy now. I'm also tired. Let's go, John. Goodbye! Be Goodbye! And you bet your ass, I don't think man made climate change is real, and I don't know anything about it, nor do I want to be informed.